You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Uh, welcome to the Rico Bronia. It's a very weird day as we do the Rico Bronia because I know that half of this audience, as a Met fan, is happy, but as a Jet fan, feels like their balls just got kicked in. And I know that the other half of the audience is probably really, really pumped up and will look at this Sunday as one of the great sports days of their life because the Giants had a tremendous victory which coincided with the Atlanta Braves losing a wild game to the Seattle Mariners. I think the missed field goal and the Suarez home run occurred basically at the same time. So I understand the Met fan is not a monolithic fan base when it comes to their football partisanship. So there are some Met fans who are depressed today, and there are some Met fans that are excited today when it comes to what happened in the NFL. We will stick to just the Mets and just the baseball And let us now, after what was a very emotional weekend with the ups and the downs, let us realize that Friday night was necessary. It really was. Because, Pete, how many times, and I don't want to make, I don't make predictions hoping to be right when it comes to the teams I root for. I make predictions because this is how I honestly feel. So this is not something I wanted to be right about. But how many times off did I say, there's going to be a morning where we're going to wake up and we're not going to be in first place. I said it numerous times, and that they finally arrived on Saturday morning where when Hoff woke up, and I woke up, and ironically was doing a show with Beningo. He was in a great mood. We woke up with the Mets not being in first place. It finally happened. You could write it down. Saturday morning, September 10th, we woke up as a second-place team. How did it make you feel? It was terrible. It it made me sick to my stomach, and all the trolls, all the Yankee trolls that I know came out of the woodwork. Oh, dude, dude, I got DMs, and I don't know if they were Yankee fans. I'm sure some of them were. Some of them were actually Brave fans. But I got DMs with pictures of the standings saying, hey, how's that look? And it's weird. That night was a tough night sleeping, a very tough night sleeping. The way the Mets lost, the game kind of slipping away late. Buck not using relievers, high leverage relievers in a close game to keep the game close. But then you pile it on with the Brave game where, and this is weird. This just shows you how effed up I am. I fell asleep at about, I'd say like 1130. And the entire night I kept dreaming about if the Braves won or lost. Am I going to be in second place? Are we going to be in first place? But I couldn't wake up and check. Like, it was one of those weird dreams where I kept checking in my dream if the Braves won or lost, but I couldn't actually check. And in my dreams, the Braves had lost. So I thought, oh my God, wow, the Mets are going to survive. We're going to be in first place for another day. 
Then I wake up in a cold sweat at 5 a.m. And I slowly go to that MLB app. And I slowly go down. And the only thing I would look at is how many runs the Braves scored. And I thought based on that, I'd know if they won or lost. And I saw they scored six. And I said, God damn it. We're out of first place. And that's how I saw that we were out of first place. And it, it was like this cloud that hung above me all day Saturday. But then I had an epiphany late Saturday afternoon, right before the Mets started at 6 o'clock. And that was, if we can win tonight and get some help, get a little lucky, Braves actually get picked off, lose a baseball game, and we could immediately take back first place, I just have this feeling we'll never be in second place again. Now, was I confident any of that stuff was going to happen? Not necessarily, because if you remember, the Marlins right out of the gate scored a run in the bottom of the first inning on Saturday. And right out of the gate, the Mets had three hits against Pablo Lopez in the first inning and couldn't score, including Francisco Lindor, what else is new, grounding into a double play. But that was really my thought late Saturday afternoon that maybe falling out of first place would actually be the greatest thing that ever happened to this team. Maybe somehow it would serve as a wake-up call. Maybe somehow that would be a moment we'll all remember and remember how the Mets responded. And then obviously, you need luck. You need the Braves to actually lose. And luckily, that happened on Saturday and Sunday. But I started to get a little bit more confident again because I think throughout this season, and you tell me if I'm wrong, if you've been listening to this, Rico, I think I've been mostly confident. I think I've been mostly positive. And maybe in my past, I've been more negative, but a part of the reason why I've been positive is because of this team. I believe the team has earned that positivity. I believe that team has responded every time they needed to this season. And they did that this weekend. Now, I don't want to throw a parade for winning two out of three against the lousy Marlins team or winning four out of six in this six-game road trip against Pittsburgh and Miami because coming into this trip, Hoff and I both said, go win all of these games or go win five out of six. I don't think we would have been thrilled with just winning four out of six. Same thing with the seven games coming up against the Cubs and the Pirates. I don't think we'd be happy winning five out of seven or four out of seven. I think we want to see a long winning streak. And I think we think this team needs a long winning streak and they should have a long winning streak considering the teams that they're playing. But considering how Friday night went and the feeling we all had Friday night as we watched David Peterson get knocked out in the fourth inning, and we watched Tommy Hunter give up a run, and we watched Joely Rodriguez set the game on fire, and we watched all those missed opportunities, specifically Lindor grounding into that double play in the seventh inning when they were really set up to come back and maybe win that game Friday night. Considering how dark I think it all felt on Friday, to come back and score 20 runs in the next two games against the Marlins, a team that pitches pretty well. They don't hit, but they pitch pretty well. To pound out 20 runs over the next two games, to really have laughers, not early Saturday, but it turned into a laugher Saturday, I think is another testament about this team and why we should trust this team and why it's not a perfect team and the team has flaws, and we'll get to a few of them, And we'll get to a few questions about this team moving forward. I think this weekend was yet another example that we should trust them. I trust them. I tell you that right now, I do. Doesn't mean I think they're going to win the World Series, but I trust this team. 
That dirty word people like to use, they're collapsing, they're falling apart, they're choking. Hey, this was not great over the last week and a half. They lost four games to the Nationals, to the Pirates, and the Marlins. But when they dropped out of first place for the first time in 150 days, here's what I know. They responded by outscoring their opponents 20-6. to And they needed help. And thank God for Julio Rodriguez, the greatest young player in this sport. Well, I'm biased towards a little bit because as Pete will tell you, he's my long-term keeper in my fantasy league, but not just that. He kicked the Braves' ass. I mean, forget about my keeper value towards Julio. How good is this kid? On Sunday, after the Mariners somehow managed to blow a 6-2 lead in the ninth inning, which I watched in the, you know, I had it up in the corner. The Giants were my main focus. I had the other football games on, but I had it in the corner of my eye. And I looked up as Michael Harris hit a ball into orbit. I'm thinking, all right, well, it's like Kurt Abbott coming up after Jay Payton's home run against the Yankees in Rivera in 2000. Great. He had a home run, but there's two outs and nobody on you down by a run. And I watched as Eddie Rosario got on base. And then uh, what's his name? Robbie Grossman hits a two-run home run. But I knew that Julio was coming up. And I knew that Kenley Jansen is no Edwin Diaz. So great job by Julio Rodriguez. Great job by Eugenio Suarez. And the Mariners, really, they won a game that thank God they won. Because if the Braves win that game, that's an an incredible win. That's like our win against the Phillies earlier this season. And so now we as Met fans can take a deep breath. Not full deep breath because they got to go play the Cubs on Monday night. And they have a three-game series with them and a four-game series with the Pirates. And there's no letting down. They have to win every single night. We can't assume the Braves are now going to go fall into a losing streak. But the Mets have now reclaimed sole possession of first place. They didn't have it when they were a half game up. I'm sorry. They were tied for first place. But with the Braves losing on Sunday, the Mets are now one game up in the loss column. Going into this seven-game homestand and going into a time where... The Atlanta Braves have some tough games. The Braves continue this West Coast trip against the San Francisco Giants, or at least a competent Major League Baseball team. And then they got a bunch of games with the Phillies, seven out of the next 10 games against the Phillies who are battling for a playoff spot. But let's all admit this. After the way we felt Friday night and the way we felt Saturday morning, there are some of us, I'm not going to name any names, who thought we would never see first place again. I heard that before. Ah, you lose first place. We're never going to see first place again. We saw first place again. We saw it again in 24 hours. And you know what happened 24 hours later? We expanded it to a game and a half. I am pumped up. I'm relieved. That's really the word. I'm relieved. First place again. And now, this whole roller coaster I've talked about, don't give it back again. Grab it and take it. Because you have seven games coming up against the Pirates and Cubs in your own building. Not on the road, in your own building. What's my expectation? Win all of them. That'd be my expectation. Now, as far as what happened in this series, uh, let's start with the opener. David Peterson wasn't very good, obviously. Gives up that home run early to Garrett Cooper. Gets into trouble in the second inning. Fights his way through it. Buck had a quick hook on him. Honestly, I didn't have a huge issue with it. I understood it. I think what was disappointing, and Joe actually brought this up on our Saturday show, 
where he said, hey, if you're going to take David Peterson out early, why not go to Trevor Williams? Trevor Williams has been one of their more reliable pitchers. I know he pitched on Saturday and actually gave up a run, but in general, Trevor Williams has been very, very reliable in any role they had. I think in that moment, they weren't sure if they were going to need Trevor Williams for Sunday because Taiwan Walker had been battling this blister issue. So he goes to Tommy Hunter, actually got a big out in the fourth inning, and then he gave up the run in the fifth inning. But even though the bullpen let this game slip away in the eighth inning when Charles LeBlanc hit that two-run home run, this was another game, just like the opener to the Pittsburgh Pirates, just like the two losses to Washington, where the culprit was they couldn't score runs. The culprit was, other than Pete Alonso hitting that two-run home run, which gave him a little bit of life, a little bit of life, down 4-1, to one, cutting it to 4-3, to three, they just couldn't get the big hit. Double plays have killed them over the last week. You had the Jeff McNeil double play in the third inning, which I was really stunned by. Because I think most of us look at McNeil as the guy you trust the most with guys on base. They had just put together three consecutive hits. It looked like they were about to break through two to one game, first and third, one out. I I had confidence that they were going to at least tie the game in that third inning. And McNeil first pitch bounces into a double play. And right after that, and this has happened a bunch of times, they ground into a big double play. And then it almost like it takes the air out of their sails. And the bats do nothing for a few innings. And after Pete hits the home run, they were really unable to muster anything that inning because they got a two-out walk by Naquin and then kind of hit this little pop-up. They had another opportunity in the seventh inning. This time it was Lindor grounding into a big double play. And then, yeah, I think the thing that annoys a lot of us that I hope changes coming up, and that is Buck Showalter managing in a close game as if, oh, I can't use my high-leverage relievers. And what was so frustrating about that in a 4-3 to three game is how often we've seen him use these high-leverage relievers in blowouts. And we even saw it on Sunday. <laughs> and I guess what's so frustrating is that you can't predict the future. We all know that. Buck Showalter doesn't know, hey, am I going to need my high-leverage guys on Saturday? Am I going to need my high-leverage guys on Sunday? Now, the Mets have no off days. So it's not as if they know, oh, we have an off day Monday. We have an off day Thursday. They're in the midst of a stretch in which they don't have an off day until not this upcoming Thursday, the Thursday after that. So they're playing a lot of games in a row. But what's frustrating is that on Sunday, when you know you're playing the next day and you say, oh boy, I got to get Adam Adovino in. I got to get Seth Lugo in. You do that. And on Friday, when you're in the same boat, Because you're playing tomorrow, you're playing the day after that, you don't know when you're going to need a reliever in a close game. So it's the same situation when you really think about it. There's no off day. He says in a close game, ah, I'll trust Joely Rodriguez. And what I hope Buck changes, even though I get it, it can bite you. If you use a high leverage reliever in a game in which you're trailing by a run or two, and they do the job, but then you don't come back and win, and then the next night, you have a one-run lead in the eighth inning, you run the risk that you used them the night before. Well, guess what? You run the same risk going into Monday's game against the Cubs. You used Adam Adovino on Sunday in a blowout. Did you not? So anytime you use one of these high-leverage relievers, you're running into that risk that the next day, you're going to need them in more traditional spots. 
but you're running into that risk whether you're down four to three in the eighth or you're up 10 nothing in the eighth the risk's the same so why not try to win the game that you're down by a run in that's the only point i'm making and i've got confidence that buck's going to change things because we are now about to enter i mean i think we're already in the home stretch but even more so of the home stretch with seven games at home followed by six games on the road followed by a brief two-game series in which they barely play in a week. They play, they have a Monday off, they play Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Wednesday, a Thursday off before they play the big series against Atlanta. Like, this is the real home stretch. So, why F around? Why trust Montes de Oca or Joely Rodriguez, stiff neck or not? He's not good. I don't think any Met fan wants to see him in the game. So Friday was very, very frustrating. It wasn't on necessarily Bucks bullpen decisions. It was on the offense. But it, it's just, it's an inconsistency of, I'll use these relievers in a blowout when I'm winning because I got to get them work, but I won't run with that same strategy when I'm down by a run. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Saturday game was nerve-wracking for about three innings when they missed out on scoring opportunities in the first inning when Garrett Cooper had the RBI double. And then what a third inning. That was, or a fourth inning, I should say. That was letting all the frustration out. Mark Canna caps it with the grand slam. You had Eduardo Escobar who, boy, Eduardo Escobar is an everyday player for the rest of the season. I think he's earned that. And even with Guillerme coming back, He's going to play. You have to play him. And I was looking at, okay, when did this Escobar run really begin? It began in the Dodgers series, since the Dodgers series. So it's the few weeks of September plus the final weekend of August with that Dodgers series. He's 19 for 42 with five home runs and nine RBIs. And I remember Escobar saying very early on, because he's mostly struggled this season, that when I get hot, I really get hot. And so you just wanted it to happen at the right time. And I got to tell you, this is the right time. He is he is on fire right now. And what's so encouraging is that he's doing it as a left-handed hitter. Because Escobar had kind of settled in to that lefty-righty platoon when Guillerme was healthy. 
And I think the way you handle this now, and I had mentioned this last time on the Rico, but now it's realistic because Mark Vientos is here. Eduardo Escobar is continuing to hit, and Guillerme should be activated early on in this homestand against the Cubs, is I think what you do right now, the best lineup for this team, is you play Escobar third, you play Guillerme at second, you play McNeil and Wright. I think that's your best team. McNeil is a suitable outfielder. He's not a great outfielder, but he's suitable. I know McNeil's had a great year defensively at second base, but you don't lose anything defensively with Luis Guillerme. You get Guillerme's feistiness back in the lineup. Escobar continues to play, and you fill that right field void with Marte, who's on the DL right now, basically with Jeff McNeil and Wright. Because here's where Vientos fits in, who finally was called up. I I think the Mets realized they had no other option because Darren Ruff is a walking nightmare. They had no other option with Marte on the DL. Ah, Who should we call up? Oh, I I got I guess we'll call up the guy who's torn up the minor leagues. I guess. I mean, what what should we do? But I think Vientos' role is Darren Ruff's role. And I'll hand it to Billy Epler and Buckshow Walter if they pull this off and say, all right, we're done with Darren Ruff. I know they played him in right field on Sunday, uh, but we're going to basically give Vientos the right-handed spot in the DH platoon if they do that. I'd be really, really impressed because they gave up four players for Darren Ruff, including J.D. Davis, who's hit a bunch of home runs, including on Sunday in the Giants-Cubs game, that they would admit defeat, admit failure, admit that trade sucked, and start benching him. And they should. Because how many more opportunities you want to give this guy? They're not even good at-bats. They're not even good at-bats. Now, look, Mark Vianto's going to have to hit. He had his major league debut on Sunday. Had a couple of okay at-bats, but he's going to have to perform. And who knows? Maybe he'll struggle. And maybe a week and a half from now, we'll all say, all right, we gave Vientos a shot. Even though he is known to be a slow starter, but you also don't have that much patience. There's not a lot of time left. But boy, Darren Ruff is just a freaking disaster. It is funny that the Mets eventually call up their top prospects until they're forced to. That's, That's when they called up Brett Beatty. That's when they've called up Mark Vientos. They don't do it until they're absolutely forced to. But it'll be interesting to see how Buck handles this. He gave him the start on Sunday, mainly because Darren Ruff was facing the lefty too. So it's not as if Vientos started over Darren Ruff. They played Darren Ruff in right field. But look, you got to play the guys who hit. And Eduardo Escobar, to his credit, has hit. He should play every single day. You could use him also as a DH option as well. So if you want to go Guillerme third base, McNeil second, Naquin right, you could DH Eduardo Escobar. Because it's not like Daniel Vogelbach's hit the crap out of the ball. He did have a couple of hits during the onslaught on Saturday where basically everybody got a bunch of hits. And I thought that was that was good to see that at least Vogelbach was able to join in and get a couple of base hits in that game on Saturday. But Eduardo Escobar has done enough now where he's going to find a way to play every single day. As far as the Sunday game is concerned, great bounce-back performance by Taiwan Walker. I think that was necessary. I made the case last week that his second half has not been as bad as maybe we think it is. This was just a great performance. This was the best performance Ty's had in the second half. He could have gone deeper, but because the Mets had a big lead, I think Buck Showalter said, all right, we're good to go. We need to get work in for some of our high-leverage relievers. You know, we couldn't use him Friday, but we'll use him today. 
But that was great to see. Now, let me get to this rotation. Because, Hoff, you know I love doing this kind of stuff. You know I love analyzing when everybody's going to start. And because Max Scherzer will be activated, assuming he's healthy a week from Monday, and because they made a decision to start Jacob deGrom on Tuesday and not Monday, which means they're giving him another extra day of rest, it's very easy for my old partner, Joe Beningo, to rip Jacob deGrom and say, we need to give him an extra day of rest. Well, I wanted to examine it. I wanted to look closer at this and see, is there a reason they're doing this? Does this hurt the New York Mets to have Jacob deGrom again pushed back another day? So I'm going to give you those answers in a minute because I have mapped out the rotation for the rest of the season. And I guarantee everybody listening will be happy with the way I mapped this thing out. Now, will Buck handle it exactly the way I mapped it out? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) It's possible. I'm sure Buck's mapped it out too. I just hope he's mapped it out the same exact way. So here's what we got. First of all, just thinking back to understand why Buck had to make a decision for Monday's game against the Cubs. They played a doubleheader on Wednesday where both Chris Bassett and Jacob DeGrom threw. They both were fantastic. And both guys' fifth day is Monday. So one guy would pitch on regular rest. The other guy would get an extra day of rest. Both guys would also pitch over the weekend against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So if you pitch Monday, you pitch Saturday. If you pitch Tuesday, you pitch Sunday. So it does not change your opponent in terms of who you're facing, no matter what. Whether you get the extra day or you don't get the extra day, you're facing the Chicago Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates on this homestand. But I tried to figure out, well, how does it impact the next road trip? How does it impact potentially the Atlanta Braves series? And what I came up with is that Buck Showalter is right for pitching Jacob DeGrom on Tuesday. And here's why. Forget the extra rest. Could Jacob DeGrom use an extra day? I guess. I mean, he's only made a handful of starts. But all right, you want to be careful with him. His start would be Tuesday against the Cubs. He would come back on regular rest Sunday against the Pittsburgh Pirates. His next start after that, because the Mets have an off day, assuming they don't have a six-man rotation, which doesn't make a lot of sense with the off days they have coming up, and assuming Max Scherzer's back healthy, DeGrom's next start after that would be Saturday in Oakland against the A's on September 24th with an extra day of rest. Again, because of these off days. His next start after that, oh, you're going to love this, would also be with one day extra rest, and it would be the opener of the three-game series against the Atlanta Braves. What's imperative about DeGrom or Scherzer pitching the opener of the series against Atlanta is twofold. Number one, you want your best pitcher pitching the first game of a huge series against Atlanta. Who knows what the standings look like at that time? That could be a, hey, you win this game, you win the division. Or it could be, they have to win this game or else they're dead. We don't know. But here's the second part that's really, really important. If you pitch Friday, September 30th, the opener of that series against Atlanta, your fifth day, your fifth day, if necessary, would be the final game of the regular season. Now, I know there are going to be circumstances where we would say it's not worth pitching your best starter on the final day of the regular season because of the risk of not winning the division and then having the wild card series start two days later. I get that. We'll address if it's worth it or if it's not worth it at a later date. But you want the option. That's the point. You want to have the option 
to start Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer, but for the sake of this, Jacob deGrom on the final day of the regular season. Because if you don't, you could start him game one of the wild card series, which would start two days later. If you've won the division and you're waiting until the divisional series, you could actually still start him Wednesday in one of those abbreviated starts as a final tune-up for the postseason. But you want that option. So by having Jacob deGrom pitch Tuesday against the Cubs, followed by Sunday against the Pirates, you line him up for Game 2 of the Oakland Series, Game 1 of the Atlanta Series, and as an option to finish the regular season or just be ready to open up the Wild Card Series or the Divisional Series. That gives Jacob deGrom four starts the rest of the way with the possibility of a fifth. I love that. Because again, you have to have DeGrom or Scherzer, whoever you deem as the ace of this team, I deem it Jacob DeGrom, pitching the opener of that series against Atlanta. As far as Max is concerned, he's eligible to come off the injured list on Monday, September 19th. That's the opener of the series against the Milwaukee Brewers. If indeed they activate him on Monday, September 19th, which they should, because Max Scherzer's the guy who said, I'm good. I probably don't even need an IL stint. Scherzer would be lined up to make three starts the rest of the way. That Monday against Milwaukee, that Sunday against the Oakland A's, and then with an extra day's rest, Saturday, October 1st, game two of the three-game series against the Atlanta Braves. So you could potentially, if you follow this, why wouldn't you, have DeGrom and Scherzer for the first two games of the Atlanta series. And why the hell wouldn't you? Because I, look, I know the Braves have lost two in a row. I don't see a scenario where that series isn't a huge effing deal. We know about the tiebreak situation. The Mets have to win a game in that series, just one, and they win the tiebreaker for the National League East. Now, if you're two games back, winning the tiebreaker ain't going to be enough. You got to actually come back. So that's going to be a monumental series. And winning the division is a big deal. We've talked about this a lot on the Rico. It's not a death sentence not to win the division, but I think, A, after you spend 150 days straight in first place, it'd be a massive disappointment not to win the division. But, B, the road is just less complicated. That's the bottom line. It's a less complicated road to a World Series if you go right to the Divisional Series, taking on either the Cardinals or the Brewers or the Phillies or the Padres. The point is, you win the division, you avoid the Braves, or the Dodgers in the divisional series. You'd only have to beat one of those teams, and you'd have to do it in the best of seven National League Championship Series, potentially. It doesn't guarantee you the World Series, much like not winning the division doesn't mean you can't get to the World Series. It just obviously makes the road less complicated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's how I'd map up this rotation. I'd have David Peterson make one more start. It would be on this homestand. I think it would be Wednesday night against the Cubs. And then he transitions to the bullpen. And that's the other thing that's going to be very intriguing to watch over the next few weeks. I mentioned David Peterson as a bullpen option. Well, he's not alone. You have Trevor May coming back off the IL. He had COVID. 
You have Drew Smith beginning his rehab assignment. But the one I'm most excited about, and I think the one you're most excited about, is that Tyler McGill, who's looked great in his rehab performances, is also eligible to be activated real soon. Does Balk take Tyler McGill and immediately throw him into a high leverage situation? Does he slowly put him in a high leverage situation? You know, you don't have a lot of time. There's just not that much time left in this season. So if it's a one-run lead, seventh inning against the Cubs or the Pirates this week, why the hell not? Look, I defended Buck for something I know Hoff didn't like, and that was throwing David Peterson right in the mix of the Subway Series, the first portion of the Subway Series at City Field, where they asked David Peterson, I think it was the eighth inning or the seventh inning, I think it was the eighth inning, come in, middle of the order, one-run lead or two-run lead, go get guys out. And he failed, obviously. He didn't get the job done. He gave up a home run to Glaber Torres that tied the game almost immediately. But he threw him right in there. And I think with Tyler McGill who is not a reliever. This is still new for him. Why not? There's not a lot of time left. The clock is ticking on what's left in this schedule and figuring out this bullpen. Because right now, what do we know about this bullpen? We know Edwin Diaz is your closer. (laughs) We know you're going to ask Edwin Diaz to get many, many, many outs in big games. And we do know that Adam Adovino has been mostly very, very good this season. As much as maybe I don't ultimately trust him or you don't ultimately trust him, we have to give him credit for how well he's pitched. And I think Adam Adovino has earned that. He is the eighth inning guy or the seventh inning guy, depending on if they ask Diaz to get six outs on any kind of consistent basis. Seth Lugo has been a lot better. He really has. Michael Givens has been okay. He has. You know, he's had a couple of really, really bad performances. But luckily, most of those really bad performances have occurred in blowouts. They've occurred in games that weren't that close. We know that Trevor Williams is your long man. You have to go to your bullpen early. He's your guy. The rest of the bullpen, do you really trust? Uh, No one wants to see Joely Rodriguez. Alex Claudio hasn't earned anything yet. Yoan Lopez, give me a break. Tommy Hunter, no. Montes de Oka has a lot of potential. I do believe that, but not this year. Maybe that's something we could talk about in the spring training of 2023 when the Mets are building a whole new bullpen. I think Montes to Oka can be a factor down the road, but not this season. So now you've got Drew Smith and you've got Tyler McGill and we'll see about Trevor May and even David Peterson, who I'm willing to give another try out of the bullpen because assuming the Mets stay healthy this turn around and assuming Max Scherzer is activated a week from Monday, You can't go six-man with as many off days as the Mets have. Once they get through this week, in which Max Scherzer is not pitching, he's not eligible to come off the IL, and David Peterson will, and you're going to have everybody on regular rest. Basically, that's how this week's going to work against the Cubs and the Pirates. After that, you got a lot of off days. you got an off day the following Thursday. You have an off day the following Monday and the following Thursday. A lot of off days, which is just weird. But it is what it is. That's what the schedule dictates. So right now, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling as if maybe these last two games against the Marlins will be an indicator of what they can do against the Cubs and the Pirates on this seven-game homestand. And look, I don't know what the Braves are going to do. We can't rely on that. But I think now that the Mets have regained a lead, even though it's a small lead, a one-game loss column lead, 
It's not about the Braves. It's about us. It's about the fact that this team is 89 and 52. They have to go 11 and 10 to win 100 games. They have to go 19 and 2 to match the 86 Mets. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'll tell you this if they do that, <laughs> well, then they do win the division. So you're feeling good, Hoff. Do you have confidence as we enter the final three weeks of the season? Uh, regarding the Mets, yes, I feel very good. You had your Twitter poll out earlier uh, yesterday. Uh, it was yesterday you did with the who's going to if the Mets? You feel confident the, about so, the Mets winning the division? And I was one of the ones who voted yes. Very you confident. did. Well, of you course. know what's fun? So I put that up Saturday morning. It was the morning after, for the first time in 150 days, we weren't in first place. And I put that up also with the Yankee fans because the Yankees had come off the loss to Tampa Bay. And both fan bases' majority opinion was no, that they weren't, including Yankee fans. Now, obviously, the Yankees responded in a big way good for them. The Mets have responded in a big way. But that poll was put up on the first morning of not being in first place. And I can't say I'm surprised that 62% of Mets fans says they weren't going to win the division. But I just... I haven't felt that way. Like, I actually have a weird confidence in this team, and I'm glad you have it too because I think this team has earned that from us. It's just bad timing. That's all it is. Like like you said, they were eventually going to lose the, the hold on the division because the Braves have been so hot. It just sucks that it happens in September. But realistically, there's still, three, like you said, three, three weeks left, and they still have to travel a little bit, and they still have a, a rougher schedule than us. I'm very confident and comfortable with how the Mets are playing, even when they do have these like you know games that like they should not be getting crushed by the Pirates or the Nationals. They do, and I still feel confident. I'm comfortable. It's not a big deal. And this, like you said, you've touched on all of it. The team, there's certain people that are stepping up in the right time. Escobar stepping up now makes me feel good, especially for the playoffs. No doubt. No, they needed him to get hot. It's certainly happening at the right time. The Phillies play the Atlanta Braves seven times in 10 days. Now, that's a positive way to look at it about the Braves' schedule. The negative way to look at it is that the Braves play the Nationals six out of nine games. So it depends which perspective you want to have. But yeah, even with the Braves playing the Nationals, who have actually been pretty feisty, give the Nationals a little bit of credit. They are not rolling over. They had success against the Cardinals last week, all that. The Mets still have the easier schedule. When you look at the Cubs the Pirates, the series with Oakland, and the two games with Miami. The three games against Milwaukee are tricky. But you know what? The Mets are better than the Brewers. The Mets are better than all these teams. So they've got 15 games before they play the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have 3, 6, 9, 13, 16 games before they play the Mets. Yeah, that makes sense because there's a one-game difference in terms of games played. And so... It's a slight advantage for the Mets based on the schedule. But as we've learned through losing two out of three to the Nationals, the schedule doesn't mean a damn thing. You still have to beat those teams. But I do feel good about the way they've done it over the next two days. Uh, Quickly about the rule changes. I love the pitch clock. I've been screaming about the pitch clock for about two decades now. Not two decades is too much. Uh, Five years. I'd say for the last five years, I've been screaming about the pitch clock because as a fan that goes to a lot of games and watches every single game on TV, it's obvious that this is far different than what it was 15 years ago. And I remember I was having a conversation with my wife recently where you know, I'm going to a lot of games this year, but not nearly as much as I used to because 
I've got commitments. I'm married. I have kids. I live in a different place than I lived when I was going to, you know, 70 games a year in Queens. And she asked me, she said, if I allowed it, if I said, no, nah, it's no big deal, Ev, go to as many games as you want, how many would you go to? And I looked at her and I said, I would never be able to go to the same amount of games I used to because it's so it's more time consuming today than it ever was. I mean, you feel it. You feel how much longer the games are. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. It just means if you go every single night and every night is three hours and 15 minutes, you start to feel it. You start to say, okay, I may need a break. Not from watching the team. I'll watch them on TV, but from going. And it's really built up over the last few years where you feel the difference. And so you think about it critically and say, well, why is this happening? Why are these games longer? And to me, it's always been very, very simple. Relief pitchers take way too long in between pitches. Simple as that. It's usually not starting pitchers doing it. It's usually relievers. And I'll name names. Jairus Familia, Aroldis Chapman. Those are two guys that just jump out. They take forever in between pitches. And those are New York-based guys because I see more of them than I see anybody else. And so I would count it. I'd be behind in games on DVR, and I would press that skip button, and you'd see, oh, my God, 45 seconds in between pitches? Like, there are some relievers that do that. So I really don't care what any pitcher has to say about this or even what any baseball player has to say about this because most rule changes are about the competition, you know, and evening the playing field or improving offense or improving pitching. To me, and I would say this to any player, this is not about you. This is about us. So quite frankly, I don't give a rat's ass what you have to say about it. The game takes way too long. You're taking too much time in between pitches, and you will figure out a freaking way to move quicker. The shift is a different story. I don't love the ban on the shift. I'm not crying about the rule. I just don't love it. I, I do have more of that old school thought of why don't players adjust? Or if you're going to put a ban on a shift, why go to the extremes that they're going to of not having a foot on the outfield grass? So that's more about competition. And that's where I would listen to the players. And I would want to hear their opinion on it. But when it comes to the pitch clock, I don't really give a rat's ass what they have to say about it because it really doesn't involve them. They just have to learn how to adjust to it. It's about us. We are the fans. We are the paying customers. And the games have been taking way too long. Got to remember this for anyone who says, but I love baseball. I love that it takes a long time. I love baseball too, but remember, you're going to get the exact same amount of action. You're just going to get it in a shorter package. You're going to get the same amount of pitches. It's just going to be in a smaller package. It's not like you're getting less baseball. You're not. You're getting the same amount of baseball. You're just squeezing it into a smaller package because it's going to move quicker. That's all. The base thing I don't fully get. You know, making the bases bigger. They're saying it's safety. It's going to add stolen bases. I don't know. I've got to see it. I don't love banning the shift. And I don't love going to the extremes that they're going to. But the addition of the pitch clock, and I've thought about this, and I can't think of anything better, is the greatest innovation of baseball in the last 100 years in terms of changing rules or technology. Trying to think what else would qualify. Uh, divisional alignments, yeah, I like it. The wild card, yeah, I like it. But in terms of, I guess, just 
making the game better in terms of an entertainment value. Uh, it's it's a great decision. I look forward to it. I'm glad Major League Baseball did it. It's obviously something we'll spend more time talking about during the offseason in terms of how it affects teams and whatnot. But I saw when they announced it, and I was very, very happy as a quote-unquote old-school baseball fan. Cubs-Mets for three. Mets-Pirates for four. Let's win six out of seven. I know to, to, to hit my goal, because I said 12-4 and four through the 16-game stretch, they're right now 5-4. and four. So for the Mets to at least match my request, they're going to have to have a 7-0 and homestand. I'm willing to give, I'm willing to accept 6-1. and one. If the Mets go 6-1, and one, I'd be happy. I would assume the Braves will lose a game to the San Francisco Giants and the Philadelphia Phillies over that period of time. But who the hell knows? The finale of the Braves-Mariners series was insane. They're down 6-1, to 6-2. to two. They come back. They go ahead. Then the Mariners tie it. Just a certifiable game. And thank God the Mariners won that game. Because I don't know if I'd be as rosy about things if the Braves won that game too and we were still tied. But either way, we'll give you another Rico right after uh, the Wednesday game. It's a three-game series. So Wednesday night, we'll have it ready for you by Thursday morning. Thank you very much for listening to another edition of Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.